good crowd here tonight. Man, thank y'all for being here, and I hope you're excited about eating some good food, and you're going to get to hear some good preaching. And I tell you, how many of you is your first time here? First time on our church property? Man, thank you so much for being here. God bless you. And did, did you all get a welcome packet, I hope? Everybody got a welcome packet? All right. Did everybody get their ticket for the drawing? Anybody not get a ticket for the drawing? Okay, we've got one back here. And uh, if y'all go ahead and just take care of that now, that'll be good. It's Isabella, right? Needs a ticket. Vinny, you need a ticket? Vinny, do you have one? Okay, need two then. Anybody else did not get a ticket for the drawing? I'll ask again before we actually start the drawing. I want to make sure everybody gets an opportunity to win something. Yeah, right. Yeah, be good. I want to thank Robbie. I know he's not in here, but make sure y'all thank Robbie and Beth, and they put in a lot of hard work in getting all this together, and they're enjoying it. They enjoy doing what they do for the Lord, and, and they do it with a smile, and uh, but I tell you, they, they're good cooks on top of that. Isn't that a blessing? And uh, there, there's all kind of things out there. We'll say more about that. I'm looking forward to hearing some good preaching, too. And I tell you what, if we gather here, Jesus is here. We ought to talk about him for a little while. Amen. He'll take care of feeding us. If you notice the pattern in the New Testament, he'll preach to them a while. He'll teach them a while. He'll heal them a little bit. And then two times at least, we know he fed him. He fed them afterwards. And I mean a crowd, too. And he, he didn't back off from that. And I just look forward to what God's going to do today in our presence. And good to see some familiar faces, some folks that I ain't seen in a while. Man, I tell you, I'm just excited to see you. I'm glad you're here tonight. And uh, we're going to open up in prayer. And I'm going to ask David Powers if he would open us up in prayer. And then we'll see. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, Lord, thank you for all you do for us, God. Thank you for everybody being here tonight, Lord, our, our regular folks and visitors, Lord. And I pray that everybody has a good time and we hear good preaching from Brother Green, Lord. Lord, thank you for blessing us always, God. Bless this service, Lord. Lord, I pray if anybody's lost here, God, they can be saved tonight, God. Lord, thank you for the meal we're about to eat, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. Well, fried gator, catfish stew, venison burgers, fried locally caught shrimp, smoked king dip, wild pork fried rice, wild turkey meatballs, mahi tacos, duck bog, Carolina bull, smoked wild pork tenderloin. There's some shaved roast beef and gravy for those of you that don't like the wild stuff. And there, I mean, there's a pile of it there. Please eat every bit of it so I don't have to take it home. I do appreciate that. And uh, fried chicken. If you don't, don't like anything else, you'll like fried chicken. And uh, so many other things out there. For everybody that brought desserts, thank you so much. Thank you for all that you've done to put this together. And we're going to enjoy it. And, but let's enjoy singing to our Lord and Savior right now. Let's all stand, take your hymnal that's in front of you, and turn to page 343 at the cross. 343. If you'll notice in verse number 2, was it for crimes that I have done? Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. All often did my Savior bleed And did my sovereign die Would he did 
Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all for singing to the Lord. And I trust that song means something to you. And if it doesn't, it can. Amen. Thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. It'll, it'll change your life. Amen. Give you a home in heaven, too. That's, that's not a bad deal, is it? And thank God for heaven. Amen. One of these days, we're going to turn in these bodies. We're going to turn them in. And we can go to heaven and have a new one. How many are looking forward to a new body? Amen. Well, let's wear it out on this side of eternity. Let's wear it out for the Lord. Okay, let's give it all we got. Let's wear it out. If you're getting a new one, you might as well wear it out. If you're going to go trade in a car, you're not going to go put new tires on it. Before you trade it in, no, you're just going to go take it the way it is, right? And I tell you, let's wear it out. Let's wear these bodies out for Jesus. Let's just serve the Lord with all our might, with all our heart, with all our soul. And I tell you, we better be laying some rewards up in heaven. And, you know, we can live this life and not have anything to lay at Jesus' feet. Wouldn't that be sad? Not have anything to put at his feet. To thank him for all that he's done for us. How good he's been to us. If it was not for his compassions, for his mercies, we would none of us be here today. Right. He's been good to you already. Sure. Jesus has been good to you. And we're so blessed to have Evangelist Tim Green with us. been preaching for 52 years and excited to have him here. And he participated. I'm telling you, he, he, he sent some ram. And I've been smelling ram chili all day. He's been cooking over at the house. And every time I go inside, in and out of the house, I smell ram chili and and uh, sent some buffalo as well, and my wife made some buffalo meatballs, and I tell you, it's exciting, I tell you, serve the Lord, I tell you, never know what you're going to get to smell, amen, <laughs> and I'm glad it smelled good today, but Brother Green's going to be preaching for us tomorrow as well, so if you want to come back, please, if you're visiting, come back tomorrow morning, he'll be teaching Sunday school at 10 o'clock, a combined Sunday school session, and then also be preaching at the 11 o'clock hour and at the 1.30 hour as well. When we meet back in the afternoon, so come back and hear him again tomorrow. And we invite you to come. And Brother Green, come preach to us. I'm trying to find a good way up here because I remember I've had problems. Yeah, those stairs are dangerous. Yeah, they are. Well, I wish I'd have remembered to wear my red tie. I didn't know everybody was going to do that today, but everybody up here so far has had the red one on. Anyway, it's a blessing to be here. It's a great opportunity. I hope you can come back uh, tomorrow morning uh, for Sunday school. This little thing I'm going to talk to you about in a few minutes, uh, I'm going to finish it tomorrow. I don't have time. we got to go eat. I, I, we can't. They don't want to hear me preach for an hour. Uh, maybe a half an hour today and half an hour tomorrow will be enough. But I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. Why men like to hunt and fish? Why men like to hunt and fish? And the reason uh, that they do is because God made us this way. And I want you to look in your Bible, if you would, if you have it, in Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8. You know, he was talking about all that food over there. I kind of felt like just, you know, leaving and go eating and somebody else could preach. Look in Psalms chapter 8 if you have a Bible. The Bible says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, 
yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We read just a moment there in Psalms chapter 8, talked about the sun and the moon and the stars, and we see those daily. Uh, Every day, if you look up into the sky, you'll see those uh, three different heavenly uh, marvels. My wife and I and my little brother were up at a place in Michigan last summer, and Pleiades, the comet, went by. Amazingly, it comes by once ever 133 years. We went out in the woods where we deer hunt, and they'd clear cut a lot of it, and so we stood with our backs to where the woods was, and over that great expanse of about uh, uh, four or five acres that they'd cut all that, and watched as that comet went across the sky and its uh, tail literally hundreds and hundreds that looked like stars. They weren't. They were just part of that comet went by. And amazingly how God has it all figured out every 133 years just like clockwork. I think last week if you looked up in the sky you could see Venus and Jupiter. I think it was, uh, I was preaching in the hills of uh, Virginia Uh, I think it was Tuesday night you could see uh, one of them, Jupiter, the other one here. And then the next night they were off to the side as they moved by each other. The marvels, the marvels in the heavens. And I think a few weeks of here you saw a balloon go by that came from China and they shot it down. (laughs) They shot another one down that fell into Lake Huron. There was just a $100 balloon or something that some balloonists put up there. We spent a half a million dollars to shoot that thing down. How crazy sometimes. I don't want to get off on that. There's a great question there in verse 4. What is man that thou, the God of heaven, would be mindful of us and visit us? From God's perspective, we are an object of redemption. All of us in this room, I'm sure, if you couldn't quote it perfectly, you could quote a little bit of it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The next verse said, God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Objects of redemption. God sent his son to this whole world to save sinners just like you and I. Now why do men hunt and fish? God made us that way. You can see it in verses 6 through 8. I have fished from Washington State to Nova Scotia on this continent. I have fished from Michigan to Florida in our country. I have hunted from New Zealand in the south to Alaska in the north. I've killed red stag, even had a dead red squirrel one time. 
There ain't much meat on a red squirrel, I'm going to tell you that right now. I've caught salmon down to sunfish. Deer are my favorite thing to hunt. I love to hunt deer. I've hunted them since. In Michigan, you had to be 14 years old before you could go. So I've been hunting deer for 60 years. That's a long, long time. And some of you are doing math right now and you're saying, there's no way he's 74 years old. I'll show you my driver's license after church. There are seven basic needs that men have. All of us have a spiritual need. Why is that? Because we have a spiritual nature. We are made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. Because we have this spiritual nature, there is a need to worship. And God's intention is for us to worship him. Now that gets polluted. Because sometimes men worship other things. They're called idols. It could be your job. It could be a career. It could be hunting. It could be fishing. Anything that you would put in place or ahead of your relationship with God can become an idol. Then we have a soul nature. A need for self-identity. Identity comes from God. You know, we have DNA. You know, the great study of DNA in the last 20 years or so. I never even heard of it till about uh, 20 years or so ago. But in every single person in this room, and every of the 8 billions of people on this planet right now, we have somewhere between 3 billion and 6 billion genomes of DNA in us. And part and parcel, all of us have some part of uh, Adam and Eve's DNA. Cain and Abel's. Listen, if you throw out God, you're throwing out yourself. If you trash God, you have no time for God, no business with God, you're in serious trouble spiritually. Because we have a spiritual nature. Value comes from what one is willing to pay for it. I've been hunting deer for a long time. And uh, I don't get them as often as I used to. But my wife thinks that all the deer meat she's eaten must cost $700 a pound over all these years. Place some value on it. I want you to answer this question yourself or perhaps ask it yourself. Are you worth anything to God? Are you worth anything to God? He said in the New Testament that you're of more value than many sparrows. The value, the value of a human soul. What would that be to God? What price did he put on your soul and my soul and the soul of every single person that has disgraced this planet with their presence? It was the life of his son. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and my sin. You think, preacher, you think I'll go to hell if I'm a drunk or would I go to hell for uh, some other sin for lying or whatever? You don't, that's not the sin that sends you a person to hell. The sin that sends a man to hell is unbelief. 
and not putting your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's not church membership. You could be a member of every church in this county. It wouldn't gain you one second in heaven. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you on the authority of that book right there, heaven will be your eternal abode. We were bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. God said that twice. In 1 Corinthians 6 and in in chapter 7, both of them, he said that. You know, God says something once, it's pretty important. But if he says it twice... You might think a little bit more about it. See, God, Jesus Christ on the cross paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only saving agent in all of the world. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ that will cleanse a sinner from their sins. Now, why do men like to hunt and fish? You can go to the book of Genesis. We'll not turn there to conserve a little bit of time. But in chapter 1 and verse 26, 28, and 29, God's, God made us in his image. And the Bible says there that we're to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, every creeping thing. He repeated that again in verse number 28, over the fish and the fowl and everything, even in verse 29, down to the herbs and the fruit of the trees. And in verse number 30, God gave man the opportunity, the privilege, the obligation to subdue this earth and make it bring forth what it does to feed us. It's very simple. God puts something in us to dominate this whole earth. We have a dominating nature. Some ladies might say, yeah, my husband, he likes to do that. That's why, that's why people train dogs. I walked out to my mailbox, not last week, I was preaching in Virginia, but the week before. And I got almost to the end of my driveway and I saw a lady coming out of the corner of my eye and she had a big tall poodle I'm not afraid of dogs, but that dog was big. And so I stopped, and the dog stopped, and, and she said, sit, and the dog sat, and she talked to me. So I, I, the dog's name was Margie. How can, you know, I can't even hardly remember where my car keys are, but I can remember that dumb dog's name. <laughs> she talked about Margie, and it was a, one of those dogs that somebody threw away, and it's a rescue dog, that's what she called it. And it was a pretty good dog, and we had a pretty good conversation about Margie. I was sitting on an airplane. Now, people bring their dogs on planes. I'm not too happy about it because I've sat by some of them. I sat by a dog last year named Mitzi. Now, I can remember her. She sat right there, right there, and breathed on me. And, and a lady had a cup and gave it water, and I'm wondering what in the world's going to happen. I know what happens when you drink water. And... I mean, for an hour sitting next to Mitzi on an airplane. If she'd have kept it in the cage, it might have been all right. That's why, that's why we, we like going to the zoo. You know, nobody goes to the zoo to look at the guinea pigs. They go to the zoo to look at the lions and the tigers. Those big things behind bars. You heard that story, didn't you, about that zoo that was on hard times? And they, they didn't have any animals, and so... They put an ad in the paper 
Now listen, you, there's uh, help wanted signs all over America. I think there's more help wanted signs than there are stop signs. In a, they're everywhere. Nobody wants to work. Well, that's kind of like this zoo. And they were in trouble. And so they uh, had this ad and a fella came uh, to apply. He'd been out of work for some time. And they said, uh, uh, what do you want me to do? He said, well, I've got this gorilla suit over here. You know, the gorilla was a, a very uh, uh, interesting thing, and kids would come, people would come, they just liked to see that gorilla, but our gorilla died, and we had his hide tanned, and his head and all that, and we'd like you to put that on, and you can pretend like you're the gorilla, and so he did, he did reluctantly, but he needed a job. And so he was there in the cage, and uh, he was swinging on the, you know, the, the, the trapeze thing there and he was doing all this business and, and boy the people really liked him and he, he this is great I'm a gorilla now well one day he was so excited about it he was swinging and the crowds were there and the kids were cheering and he lost his grip on that swing and flew outside of his into the lion's den and he started screaming, I'm not, I'm not a real gorilla. I'm not a real gorilla. I'm just a man. I'm a man. And the lion said, shut up or we'll both get fired. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, sometimes we misappropriate that spirit of domination. And that's where dictatorships come from. We try to dominate men and people. That's not what God made us for. We had another job to deal with the animals and make the earth. That's why you grow a garden, etc. God has made us free. And really the only freedom you're ever really going to know is in Christ Jesus. He sets men free. He said in John 8 and 32, the truth will make you free. God's son in verse number 36 of that chapter says he is the one that makes us free indeed. Now I want to ask you four questions and I'll be done. I ask these in lots of church services. I may have asked them in this church. I don't know. Four vital questions. Where'd you come from? What are you here for? Where are you going when you die and how to get to where you're going when you die it's appointed unto men the Bible says once to die and then cometh the judgment every single person in this room we have an we have an appointment with destiny gonna die someday buried my father a year and Three or four weeks ago, just last year, I buried my brother's uh, wife uh, last June. Just a young lady died. People die every day. They announce it in the paper. It's called an obituary. Every day. And every person in this room, you're at a crossroads of life. There's a narrow way that leads to life and there's a broad way that leads to death. That narrow, that narrow way leads to a cross on Calvary and an empty tomb today. Because Jesus died and rose from the dead for you and for me. That's the gospel. Where'd you come from? You say, well, I believe in evolution. 
You say, I, I think, you know, one day I was a little amoeba somewhere way back when and it was floating around in a little pond and the pond dried up and it drug itself up on shore and while it was dragging itself up on shore uh, arms came out, legs came out, little tail came out then it grew fur all over its body, got up in trees, started swinging around one day that tail broke off while he was falling to the ground all his hair fell off and he walked right into the University of Southern uh, uh, South Carolina and became a PhD in biology that's how dumb that is. I believe that God created the world. And God created man. Creation. We are, the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God put us together. What are you here for? Uh, you know, make some money, have a career, have fun, recreation. That's what I'm here for. What a foolish thing. We're here to bring honor and glory to God from our lives. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says we're here for his pleasure. Not for ours. Where are you going? One of two places. Heaven if you're a Christian, if you've been born again. And hell if you're lost. I think a preacher that would say anything other than that would be guilty of ministerial malpractice. You know, if you went to the doctor and you had cancer, I've had cancer. I'm a survivor about seven years now. My wife had cancer. She's a survivor about eight years. We went to doctors that prescribed what we ought to do and the treatments that we ought to have and we're alive today. I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ He said what to do to get to heaven. I received him as my savior as a 21 year old boy. Many preacher would tell you there's no hell. He's a liar. He's a liar. You know somewhere. I know I've done this at this pulpit before. I can see me doing it. From zero to a hundred. My dad died at 93. So right there. I'm 74 about right there. If your life spans zero to a hundred, somewhere between your first breath and your last gasp, there must be a time when you trusted Jesus Christ, called on him, and asked him to save you in order to go to heaven. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. He didn't say it'd be nice if you got saved. You must be saved. You must be born again. That's what he told Nicodemus at night. You must be born again. You know, you do what you want to. You know, live the way you want to. You know, that's all right. Believe what you want. He didn't say that. You have a spiritual nature. You have a dominating nature. Why men like to hunt and fish? It all depends on what you do with Jesus Christ. You see, salvation is... It's so much more than just calling on him and asking him to save you. He, the Bible said, he which begun a good work in you shall perform it. There'll be a performance. I wouldn't stand here this afternoon and tell you what kind of a sinner I was. I wouldn't go back and tell you all the stuff that I did in my life while I was in college. I wouldn't say that stuff I did when I was in high school. I wouldn't stand in any pulpit in America and do that. 
God saved me and changed the direction of my life and the activities of my life and the direction of my life. I was headed to hell. Now I'm headed to heaven. Not by anything I did, but what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Salvation is a life-changing experience with a life-altering destination. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. It's interesting, that old song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know, a wretch is a pretty, that's not a very positive thing to be said about us. But you are, if you're lost this afternoon, you are far more than a wretch. For the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, that you are dead in trespasses and in sin. Bad enough to be a wretch, but to be dead? You can be made alive in Christ Jesus by faith, by calling on him, whosoever Call upon him shall be saved. I've been preaching for over 52 years. Telling that grand story of God's marvelous grace to save. And I know he does. And I know he will. Let's bow our head and close our eyes a moment.